Good evening. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, and you are listening to Let's Talk. Let's Talk explores hard-hitting but necessary conversations for our listeners' ears. Let's talk about the tough topics that others shy away from. Let's talk about what's standing in our way of community progress. Let's talk about how to be a better Lehigh Valley neighbor and resident. I'm Katara Jordan, your host of the program that will leave you thinking. Tonight, let's talk about reproductive health, the Supreme Court overturn of Roe v. Wade, and the almost certain effect on health outcome statistics within communities of color. Many of you are expecting Dr. Batts' voice, but with this evening's topic, Dr. Batts and WDIY felt it was best to invite a host who is appropriate to reflect on the moment in our history and this important topic. My name is Katara Jordan. I am honored to join you this evening on WDIY and Let's Talk. I am the director of the James Lawson Freedom School here in the Lehigh Valley, a six-week summer literacy program, a mother, a wife, a friend, and a community member. So the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade June 24th and sent the issue back to states to create individual state restrictions on reproductive health of every woman in America. Luckily, in PA, we don't have a trigger law associated with the fall of the federal law. And the right to abortion and health privacy is still intact. For now. The State Assembly, House and Senate, controlled by Republicans, are currently processing legislation to restrict a woman's right to choose. The current governor has promised to veto any provisions, but the governor's race is in play for 2022 election, and the Republican candidate promises to outlaw abortion in any form. For women of color, this issue is even more important because of health outcome disparities that already exist, but the pandemic has exposed how wide that gap is. So to understand more, we welcome Jamila Campo, a psychiatric nurse practitioner here in the Lehigh Valley. Welcome, Jamila. Share with our listeners a little about your life path. Thank you. Thank you, Satara. So as she stated, my name is Jamila Campo. I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for over 17 years. I recently graduated from Monmouth University in New Jersey with my Master's of Science in Nursing. So I now can hold the title of psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Just to give a little background of my nursing history of I've worked in the intensive care unit. I've worked inpatient in the hospital. I've worked um, outpatient clinic. I've worked within the community doing home care as well as um, mental health services as well. And then, um, like, my present as the nurse practitioner, what I'll be able to do is um, diagnose, treat, and prescribe um, for mental health conditions. Um, I'm a mother of four. Um, I presently um, provide support to my parents, but my passion is actually mental health. What a diverse background. First, as a woman, what does the overturn of Roe vs. Wade mean to you? Well, to me, um, initially, it was really just um, the, the taking away my autonomy, um, my bodily autonomy, like, I have um, strong feelings about having the right to do what I want to do with my body as I see fit, or me and my medical provider actually see fit. 
So um, that is my main takeaway from mm. that, is that um, the right was taken away from me. Powerful. Now, as a woman of color and practicing medical professional, would you share with our listeners the further reasons why this issue is such a concern? Well, within our community, um, we know that the mortality rates for black women are um, higher than um, white women. But I think it it also, even the um, American Psychological Association, the president acknowledged that um, removing, you know, denying us that opportunity can increase anxiety, increase stress, increase depression, other mental health conditions, which will trigger and trickle down or trickle to the family, down to the children, and it just um, becomes a, it just becomes very much deeper than just that decision. Absolutely. So, so with your practice and experience, what is the number one concern with the issues in patients' mental health? So when we talk about their mental health, what, what is some of your top concerns when dealing with them? How they're coping, how they're coping with their present situations, and then um, being able to build off of that, finding out their goals and what they ultimately um, see as a, um, I guess, baseline place of um, mental stability Mm. and trying to get them to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Now, tell me a little bit more about the disparities in mental health in communities of color as a whole. What I think might be the biggest disparity would be um, the education surrounded around um, mental health, um, the access to the care. We, we experience things. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and growing up in that community, um, you, you, you see and experience the poverty, the, the, the racism, the all the isms that you can experience, you see it growing up. And then as a professional, a mental, uh, just a medical professional on the whole, when you look at it from a different lens and you see that, you know, um, different communities are, are, are educated on disease processes um, differently. You're seeing that the um, family structure is different, more supportive sometimes, um, more financial um more financial resources. Um, those, what I saw, are the main disparities that can create those barriers to care. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So how does the thought of pregnancy, wanted or not, do you think affect mental health? Oh, definitely. Um, the hormones, the um, support system, the um, the the possible experiences, and I don't want to say traumas, but um, childhood experiences that might they might have seen or experienced from neglect, um, abuse. There's so many um, components that can affect one's mental health when they become pregnant. Would you say that they lead to anxiety, depression? Absolutely. That's from, from I, would, I would think from the start it can be... Um, anticipated from the initiation of, um, if it's planned, you know, if it's, if it's not planned, like the, that, that is an automatic, how it's processed is, you know, on the individual, but definitely, um, something that is, um, experienced. 
So women of color are also more likely to experience barriers to abortion, other reproductive and maternal health services, including contraception, maternity, maternal care, and screenings for reproductive cancers. In almost every aspect of reproductive health, women of color are, have poorer health outcomes than white women. Black women are dying at three to four times the rate of white yeah. women due to pregnancy-related issues. So being a mother, you know the risk. Uh-huh that black females, yeah. you know, endure during pregnancy. Uh-huh. Have you experienced yeah. them personally? And what could have happened to have a better experience or outcome around that? Well, yes, I'm, you, it, it's interesting with each birth, um, there's a story that you endured um, throughout the pregnancy and then that at that time of labor. And so um, I would say my first birth, my first daughter, there was, nothing no no real issues i was always um had 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 appropriate care i never um felt that there was any issues with that when with one child when i when we went when i did have care in the clinic setting it was a public health clinic setting that was the most disturbing as far as um follow-up education from the provider um, and even knowledge is regarding to um, the hospital and where I was giving birth at. Um, my one of my children, I also he was born with his um, umbilical cord around his neck, so um, they had to kind of um, refrain him from from um, exiting the canal so that they can. Um, you know, rectify that situation. So um, I, in my experience, I've always been, I was older when I had my children, so I was knowledgeable and I knew how to advocate for myself. Mm. So with that, um, I knew that was um, a key for me making sure that, you know, my outcomes were a lot better than others. But I know of stories of individuals who might not, most important with the education and, um, surrounding pregnancy yes. who have had other um, negative outcomes. Absolutely. So I, I heard that you were an advocate for yourself. Is that missing in our community, the knowledge and the ability to advocate for yourself? I believe the community has the ability. I think it's lacking the knowledge. Um, okay. And, the, um, and just like as far as the educational programs, the um, public service announcements, those kind of um, kind of sessions where you know, in, in the schools, in the middle and the high schools to educate from early, you know, um, when the same as a nurse, I'm taught, you know, to follow my gut. And we all have those feelings. And to know that you can, you know, verbalize those feelings and have someone acknowledge them and, you know, explain if they're valid or not. But it's to know the key questions. And the sad to say is the presentation as well. Absolutely. Because sometimes if it's not come off as, you know, appropriate. Okay. So, uh, so when we think about resources overall, when we think about, you know, resources, can you give us a couple examples of resources we could use? Or, or how early would you have, you know, young ladies start learning how to advocate for themselves in the mental space or in the health space? I would think 
I honestly think it should be as early as um, elementary school, is, is even as learning yes. about this, this, the beginning, el- um, emotional intelligence, understanding how, what, what feelings are, and, and, and starting from there because we're all, we're all experienced in feelings and it's so hard with children to sometimes anxiety can be anxiety. Sometimes it can be depression. It can, it, it manifests itself differently in children. So, between teaching the children how to recognize their feelings and emotions of themselves as well as their peers, but the parents teaching them about how to um, deal with their children's different mental states and how to support them and then advocate for them. I think it, it, it should start as early as that for if something's wrong with me, I need to be able to tell someone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I have a 12-year-old in middle school, a young lady, and, you know, they're very aware of social media. They they understand what's happening with Roe vs. Wade, and they're asking questions. So you are right. The earlier we can start these conversations, I believe, the better. Any specific websites uh, that we could go to or we can tell our listeners about that could, you know, give them some support? Yes. um, One would be the National Alliance of Mental Illness. The acronym is NAMI, and there's a division in Lehigh Valley. Their phone number is 610-882-2102, and their website is www.nami-lv.org. Okay, and then also there would be the suicide prevention line, and that is 1-800-273-273. Talk. Wonderful, oh. wonderful. Now, before we go, I have one more question. Do you believe communities of color deserve choice? Absolutely. Um, like I said earlier, um, it was very um, distressing to even hear them considering, you know, removing um, the right to an abortion. And um, it just honestly takes me back to um, just ownership of myself and my body Mm. and knowing that there was a point in time where we didn't own, Mm. uh, you know, weren't considered to be owners of ourselves or we weren't considered full people. So there's a lot of, and I would would say that's um, generational Mm. um, trauma with um, just wanting to have control over how, I, you know, I decide to make, you know, how I, the decisions I make with my body, my personal self. I feel like everyone should have that right. As individuals, we need to, we need to have that. I I would think, I can understand laws with driving and, you know, seatbelts and you can control those kind of, but when it comes to my personal body and the decisions I make for it, I believe that we should, we should have that. Wow, that is powerful, powerful. Well, we want to thank you, Jamila, very much for your time, your reflections, and just information for our Lehigh Valley community. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Listeners, after a short break, we'll return with Joanna Richardson, who will offer further insight into this topic from the perspective of a social worker. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Psst. Did you know WDIY public affairs programs and features are available on all major podcast platforms? Listen anytime on the go at Apple, Google, Spotify, or NPR One Podcast and Apps. Just search for WDIY 88.1 FM and you'll find a variety of award-winning public affairs programming from the Lehigh Valley. Listen and share with your friends and family where you get your podcasts and introduce them to Many Choices, Real Voices. Welcome back to Let's Talk. Tonight, we are talking about reproductive health and the Supreme Court overturn of Roe v. Wade and the almost certain effect on health outcome statistics within communities of color. Now we welcome Joanna Richardson, a social worker here in the Lehigh Valley. Welcome, Joanna. Hello. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. We are going to dive right in. We are excited to have you. So first, as a woman, what does the overturn of Roe v. Wade mean to you? Well, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, for me, um, it means a lot of things. Um, As a woman, you know, my reproductive freedom has been ripped away from me. Um, And, you know, as a a woman of color, as a black woman, uh, that impacts me as well um, because um, as a woman, a college-educated black woman, you know, we are 60% greater risk than um, white or Hispanic women to have maternal mortality death rates. So um, it, it means a lot. This is historical. So it has taken away our reproductive freedom. Absolutely. Now, as a woman of color and practicing social worker, would you share with our listeners the further reasons why this issue is such a concern for you? So um, I am, as you mentioned earlier, I am a licensed clinical social worker. So as a social worker, um, we are a helping profession. So our, our primary mission as a social worker is to enhance the human well-being and to help me the basic needs of all humans as well as the complex needs of, of all people. Uh, truly focusing on the vulnerable populations, oppressed populations, and those living in poverty. Um, so it is, you know, it impacts the mental health of, of women. It, it has the possibility to increase depression and stress. And, you know, when we feel, as I said earlier, that reproductive freedom is taken away from us, when one does not feel they have control over their life, it impacts their mental health. Yes, yes. Now, we, we just, our earlier guest today, Jamila Campos, she really focused in on the mental health of our community mm-hmm. and what that looks like. So with your experience, what is the number one concern with this issue and patients' mental health? Um, a lot of patients come in with, you know, your, your average daily stressors. Mm. You know, may that be marriage issues, going through a divorce. Right now, um, with the traumatic events that have happened, so increase in crime, um, violence, the pandemic, finances, employment, that is all a concern. And when we don't have the freedom to decide, you know, to continue um, with the pregnancy, that definitely impacts the mental health and increases those stressors. Um, 
the access women have to um, have those checkups and, and appointments that they need, all of that impacts the mental health. And as I said before, increases those depression symptoms, increases the stress and adds to the daily stressors that they already experience. So it's, it's, it's concerning. It's, um, you know, a lot has happened in the past two and a half years. So um, such a historic ruling um, definitely impacts the patients and, and the women that, that I see practicing. Wow. Okay, so when we talk about, like, the disparities in mental health and resources and mm-hmm. access in communities of color, can you tell us more about the disparities in mental health resources and access in communities of color? Has there been an increase within communities of color? We've always had the lack of access um, to mental health, to um, access to, you know, reproductive health, mm. you know, getting to those appointments. Yes. You know, do I, do I get to that appointment to have, you know, that checkup so that I can get my birth control um, or do I, I make it to work? Mm. You know, I have bills to pay, um, children to take care of. So um, I think it's been there for, for women of color. It's just increased with, you know, changes in, as I said before, you know, the recent traumatic events, crime increase, violence, the pandemic, and, and just economically right now. So it's increased, but it's been there. So do, do you have children? I do. I do. Okay, wonderful. I have three children. <laughs> three children. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, what is a wish that you have? Do you have daughters? Is that okay for me to ask? Do you have daughters? Sure. I have daughters. Um, I have a 10-year-old daughter, I have a 5-year-old daughter, and I have a 10-month-old, soon to be 11 months. Yes. Beautiful. What is a wish that you have for your black daughters? Mm-hmm. How will Roe vs. Oh. Wade affect them down the line? You know, I have a daughter myself, 12-year-old, in middle school. How, have you started these conversations with them? What will their life look like in the next 15 to 20, 10 to 15 years? What will their lives look like? Yeah. Well, due to their age, I have not started the conversation in regards to Roe v. Wade. That has not happened yet. Um, but my wish for them is, again, to have their, their, basic, their basic rights, you know, um, their fundamental rights, um, for them to have that and to be able to make decisions about their body. Um, because we don't think about that often, but it's major. You know, to, to be able to make a decision to, to bring a child into the world or not. Um, so my wish is that that fundamental right be there for them um, and for them to be able to make whatever informed decision they decide to make for themselves about their body. Absolutely. And knowing that, you know, with all of this going on, that that choice may not be there. Where does that leave you mentally? Where does that leave, you know, them as they grow? How can we prepare them, I guess you'd say, to be able to move forward in a life without choice around this issue? Oh, um, for me, it's showing them the importance of getting involved and involved in your community, you know, um, that everyone should be able to, to live um, a life that is healthy, to live a life where they are happy, to live a life where they are healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, 
So, you know, I want to teach them the importance of getting out there and helping others. Um, and and yes. to teach them to understand that, you know, people have environmental and external factors that impact their lives. You know, everything is not cookie cutter. Um, so it's important for them to get involved and, and to have knowledge of, of what is happening in their community, um, in the world, because as we see, you know, it has impacted and will impact many, many women, the mm-hmm. overturn of Roe v. Wade. Absolutely, absolutely. So to get involved and, and to, to, you know, be knowledgeable about these laws and things that ultimately um, impact us. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about advocating for yourself. And, you know, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so just, you know, how can we prepare our, our young daughters to advocate for themselves? And like you said, just, I guess, the knowledge, you know, knowing and being aware. But how can we prepare them to be proper advocates for themselves and for the people around them? Teach them young to speak, to use their voice. You know, teach them that their voice has power. You know, our, our voices are powerful and the importance of speaking up for your needs your wants, your thoughts, and your feelings. Um, that is important. That is something I tell all my patients. You are your advocate. You must speak for yourself. Um, you know, if you don't speak for yourself, who will? So really teaching them young, allowing them a space to um, to speak their, their mind, to speak their thoughts. Absolutely. Uh, and to say from something as simple as, that hurts my feelings. Mm. You know, that made me sad. Just allowing that space. And I believe that being an advocate, you know, you can teach them that early on with those simple, simple tools. Simple tools. I love it that we can all use. Now, Absolutely. has has abortion affected the social work world in any way? Have you experienced any of that? Is there any stories you'd like to share? And I know, you know, your clients and, and that's confidential, but just what mm-hmm. have you, the safety, what have you really been experiencing around abortion lately, if anything? As of right now, nothing. Um, I have not come across any patients um, experiencing any um, concern in regards to their right to have an abortion. Um, But I do know and have worked with many women who have experienced um, loss of of infants and infertility um, and, you know, loss of pregnancies early on. So, you know, either way, if you want children, do not want children, trying to have children, it is a very um, personal and very, um, it can be a very stressful time. So adding this layer of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, again, it increases the stress um, of what do I do now? that could lead to potentially some harmful and, and dangerous situation for some women, you know, especially women of color who may not have the access. Access. We've heard that scary. throughout. Yeah, the whole show, access. So before we go, mm-hmm. one more question that's burning. Now, do you believe communities of color deserve to have choice? Do they deserve to have choice? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we are human beings. Um, and, again, for me, I truly believe in 
this social work mission, and 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 I re- that's really that's ingrained in me. Everyone should have a right to choose to choose um, what they want to do with their bodies, to choose to continue a pregnancy or not, to choose to love whoever they choose to. Um, we should have that choice. Wow, we're humans. We're humans. And, and just the thought of, of choices being taken away, you know, sometimes makes one wonder how far will it or can it go? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes people back to the traumas of where we've come from as yeah. women of color, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think um, choice is taking away the aspect of pro-life? No. No, I don't think so. That's, no. a, that's simple enough. That's simple enough. Well, thank you again, Joanna, very much for thank your time, you. for your reflections, for the information for our Lehigh Valley community. We have enjoyed this segment very, very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, listeners, for making time for this conversation. You can also find past episodes and other public affairs programming at WDIY.org and on all major podcast platforms. I'm Katara Jordan, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. Tune in next Thursday for more Lehigh Valley Discourse, and we'll see you next time on Let's Talk.